Good morning, church family. As you're being seated, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Excellent, excellent job from our praise team. I am so glad you're here today. We are continuing our series called Follow Me to Real Community. And we all, everybody does community. That's kind of been the whole premise behind this series. Everybody does community. We all have a family. We all have friends. Some of us have co-workers. There are people we attend college classes with. Not everybody does community for real. We all have community, but not everybody does community for real. And the person who really knows someone's story knows how to do community for real. Because real community means you really know someone's true story. The Lord Jesus Christ was absolutely the master of learning people's real story, their true story, what was really going on with them. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 4. This is the story where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at a well. This is one of the most powerful stories in Scripture that illustrates for us the transforming power of knowing someone's story. In John chapter 4, Jesus begins revealing himself to the world. And that self-revelation part of his ministry continues until John 13 when he proves who he is by his ultimate sacrifice on the cross of Calvary and resurrection from the dead. But how interesting is it that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings chooses to begin revealing his identity to a sexually immoral, broken down Samaritan woman. He reveals his identity to her by showing her that he knows her story and revealing that he and he alone has the power to change it. Let's pick up our text in John chapter 4 and verse 5. I've got this on the screen for you today. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came over to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because everybody knew Jews don't associate with Samaritans. I want to draw this out for you this morning so you can really appreciate what's going on here. First, notice what time of day it was. It was noon. No one would go to the well at noon. Everyone would go to the well to get water first thing in the morning to sustain the day and then last thing in the evening to make sure everything could be washed and cared for and kept up. But this woman was at the well at noon because this was the time she would most likely have the well all to herself. Running into people would mean embarrassment. It would mean humiliation. She would be degraded because of her immorality and brokenness. She had a reputation in the community. She had a story in the community. She had an identity in the community and everybody knew it. No doubt she was sick 
and tired of hearing about it over and over again. So she gave up going to the well at the time everybody would be there and decided to start going in secret in the middle of the day. And boy, when Jesus asked her to get him a drink from the well, she would have been shocked. She would have been shocked first because she was so used to hearing people degrade and berate her because of her brokenness and sinfulness. When someone spoke to her, the words were not usually kind. It would have shocked her that Jesus asked her for a drink. And then the text actually reveals another part of her surprise, which is that she was of a nationality that was never associated with by the Jews. I can't get into all that history today, but Samaritans were considered half-breeds by the Jews who would have been universally despised to top off the fact that she was sexually immoral and broken in life. Their conversation continues, and I want to pick up our text in John 4, verse 25. This woman eventually says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I that am speaking to you am he. How many times, church, has this woman questioned the very meaning of life itself? Surely there's got to be more to life than hiding from the world around me. Surely there's got to be more to life than beating myself up over and over for the sinfulness I've committed. Surely there is such a thing as a true, as a forgiving, as real love. Surely there's love to be found. I would give anything, she would have thought, to find that. Surely there's got to be more to the way I've been living life than the way I've been living it. And she knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Messiah would have the answers. And if you look closely at what she says, she doesn't just say that the Messiah will have some of the answers. Or that she knows in Christ she'll find a little bit of what she's been looking for. She says, I know when the Messiah comes, when Christ comes, He'll explain every single thing to us. In other words, in the Messiah, I know I'm going to find everything I'm looking for. I've just got to find Him. And then she meets Jesus and He reveals Himself. To her. And in the moment he begins revealing himself to her, she soon starts to realize that this is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is the question answerer. This is the pain healer. This is the chain breaker. This is the forgiver of sins. And everything she's been looking for all at once is staring her eye to eye. Can you imagine that moment? In fact, it is so startling to her, she left what she came to the well for at the well. In John 4.28, she, she leaves her water jar and goes back to the town and says to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this really be the Messiah? 
Is this really the moment I've been waiting for? Is this the time every question I've ever had about life, every pain I've ever felt, every sadness, every trial? Is this that moment? And they come out of the town and make their way toward him. She couldn't help but tell the story. Her first instinct is to go back and let everyone know what's happened to her. In this text, we learn three things that are really important about Jesus. And the first is, he is not, look at me, church, the Lord Jesus Christ is not intimidated by your story. He's not intimidated by your story. Jesus knows everything you've done, and over and over we see him spending time with people in the Gospels who are really sick, who are really sinful, and who are really broken. And instead of reeling from and running from sinfulness and sickness and brokenness, it is those traits that actually draw Jesus to an individual. Jesus isn't intimidated about your story. And the second thing we learn about Jesus in this text is that Jesus can rewrite your story. There is no story that is too dark or too X-rated or too miserable for Jesus not to be able to rewrite it. This woman was looking for satisfaction. Think about her in all the wrong places. Some that came to mind are in love with other human beings or relationships or social approval, or affirmation. And the only thing that would truly satisfy her thirst, and Jesus knew it, was going to be Jesus himself. Ladies and gentlemen, as long as you, like this woman, look for satisfaction in anything other than the world, your story will be characterized by the same sinfulness and misery that this woman's story was characterized by. I thank God that Jesus knows what our story is can look like when we really find satisfaction. Satisfaction so complete, Jesus says, that we literally will never have to go searching for satisfaction again, and He is more than able to accomplish that in any of your lives. One of the most powerful lessons learned in this story is that Jesus can use any story that He rewrites to change anyone else's story. Wow. That's exactly what happens a few verses later in John chapter 4. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, not because some powerful theologian came to town, not because some political leader came to town, not because some new church was established, but because a broken woman who had searched for satisfaction everywhere, but the one place she could actually find it had actually found satisfaction. What she had been looking for, she met face to face, and that testimony transformed her. She says to her people, he told me everything I ever did, and when they came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, now we no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior, listen, of the whole entire World. The Greek word there, you've heard me preach it before, is cosmos, which is where we get our English word. You didn't even know you were a Greek scholar. Cosmos. That, inclu- 
That includes everybody. Can I get a witness this morning? This is truly the moment that changes everything. The moment when Jesus becomes not just the Savior of the world, listen to me, church, but the Savior of your world. When all the pain and all the sadness and sinfulness and misery gets completely and totally healed. And there is no story too dark for Jesus to not be able to rewrite it. The moment you hand the pen of your life over to the Son of God is really the moment that changes everything. So we're going to do something special this morning. There are some people among us today whose stories have been completely rewritten by Jesus. They gave up being the author of their own lives. And because of their surrender, their story completely changed. I'm going to say a prayer. And while I'm praying, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And our volunteers are going to come up and start sharing their transformation stories with you today. And after they finish sharing, I'm going to offer an invitation. And then you're going to get the chance to have your story, just like theirs, rewritten by the power and grace of a loving, merciful Savior. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you just so grateful for the ultimate story rewriter, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. God, I'm thankful that he has changed so many stories in this congregation and all across the world. And I am begging you, Lord, that today someone would be inspired by his power to change a story and would hand the pen of their lives over to him and allow him to change their story. I ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. We want to give you the opportunity this morning to let the love of the Lord Jesus rewrite your story. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing an invitation. Make sure the aisles are clear and do not miss the chance to have your story rewritten. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord of heaven and earth, God of all the ages, we rejoice at the power of your love and grace to transform any life. Thank you for the testimonies represented on this stage this morning and for those not represented. And I beg you, Lord, this morning, any life that does not yet have a testimony like this, I pray you would convict hearts and strengthen the will of those individuals to respond today and allow you to rewrite their story. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand while we sing.